0: From the slimy studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another hairy episode of Chemical-Free Horticultural Hijinks. You bet your garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. If you think that your slugs are a problem, you should see the ones in England mow down plants. On today's show, we'll help a British listener mess up her miserable mollusks. Otherwise, it's a fabulous phone call show, cats and kittens. Yes, potential guests are busy brushing and grooming. So we will take that heap and help it. Of your telecommunicated questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and ironically ingratiating incantations. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, true believers, because it's all coming up faster than you slugging away, you know what? Right after this. Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media, right here in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, a travelogue on the best sites to visit in merry old England. And if you think I'm kidding, all you have to do is stay tuned. If uh, they don't fire me over this one, I'm here forever. But first, we have a little bit of wonderful housekeeping to take care of. The first is a gift I received from Suzanne Ridley in Gaston, Oregon, which is the eastern edge of Oregon, almost in Washington state, on the Rapato Creek and close to Portland. You can actually drive to Rockaway Beach from there. Oh, Lord, where do they get these names? Anyway, Suzanne was kind enough to send me two jars of her homemade garlic paste. Instead of drying the garlic and grinding it up for garlic powder like I do, she makes paste. I have not opened either of the two jars, and they were safeguarded by a private security guard hired to make sure nobody approached the fridge until I came in. To pick them up. So thank you, Suze. You are wonderful. And then we move on to Ruth in Australia. Now we've been trying to set up a phone call with Ruth for a couple of weeks now, and we thought we had the timing down, but it's hideous on her side. uh, To be with us during the time we're taping, she had to get up at four o'clock in the morning, and her alarm clock didn't work, or she slept through it, or the dog ate her homework. But anyway, it didn't happen, which was fine for us. We we had plenty of uh, calls for the show, but she felt so bad that two days later, our new production person, my new producer, uh, Teresa, Got a, a package. She got a beautiful floral arrangement and a very nice card saying how sorry she was that she hadn't been able to make it on the show. This was not a gift to me. This was to terrific Teresa, and uh, you know keep those cards and letters and gifts of garlic coming, cats and kittens. All right. So who uh, we got, we we should take a phone call at 888-492-9444. Marilyn, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
2: Well, hello. How are you today?
0: I am just ducky, thanks for asking, Marilyn. How are you?
2: Great, thank you. I do have a question. I have two questions, actually. The first one is, have you noticed that there is an absence of butterflies this year?
0: Um... No, I have not. Now, where are you located?
2: We're in South Jersey, um, south of the Delaware Memorial Bridge.
0: Okay, sure. We have
2: had we have had a total of five butterflies. That's it. We've had two big yellow, two black, and one smaller orange and black one. That's it.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I've seen a lot of swallowtails, both yellow and black, and an enormous number of other uh, butterflies, but. Um I'll, I'll ask you a couple of uh, questions. Uh do you have bird feeders out? Yes, we do. Yeah, there you go. If you uh look carefully around uh, the feeders, you may notice the wings. Uh birds eat butterflies, but they don't eat the wings. So, you can have a birding garden or you can have a butterfly garden, uh but it is really good not to have both or at least to say, have a bird feeder way out back and in front of your house have plants that attract butterflies like mad. Oh. Yeah.
2: We never had that before. Oh, well.
0: Well, you know, there's so much that goes on that we don't see, that we don't know about. We have to depend on these poor guys who, like, spend nine months behind a glass panel in in Antarctica watching some little rat-like creature hibernate. Look, Bert, I think he moved. I think he moved, you know. So, but thanks to them, we do know a lot more about the natural world. Um, Bird, uh, not bird feeders. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you've listened to the show enough to know that I'm against feeding the birds um, in the summertime because there's so much natural food for them. Um, but if you want to attract butterflies specifically, you can't attract them to an area where you have a bird feeder. Uh, butterflies, however, are greatly attracted to water sources in the summer, as are birds. But there's a little bit of difference. The best attractant um, for butterflies um, are, is, is muddy water. You, you know, get get down on your hands and knees like you were 10 years old again and make mud pies and make sure there's like just a little depression somewhere that you've patted down so it doesn't uh, leach the water right away. So that just that natural kind of source of sandy, you know, natural water and then add a teaspoon of table salt to the water. And that will attract the male butterflies, like mad. As far as I know, nobody knows why this works, but everybody agrees that it does. And do you have uh, specific plants out there for your butterflies?
2: Yes, we do. We have phlox, bee balm, rosa sharon, abelia. Uh, I,
0: the, my my rosa sharon powerful. are filled with butterflies. Yeah, and,
2: we, we also have a lot of um, hummingbirds.
0: You right. do have those oh, that's cool, yeah you can't you can't <laughs> I guess complain you can't
2: have everything
0: no, and hum- okay. hummingbirds obviously are not going to um eat butterflies. We're talking the big birds, the predatory birds, but
2: yeah, but
0: again, you're probably you know going after a lot of them with your bird feeder. but I will say that's a good selection of plants. My Rosa Sharon is infested. Um, with butterflies. Yeah. So next season, you know, give my give my way a try. Um, at the okay. end of this season, take down your bird feeders um, and store them and replace them with suet feeders. And that will attract the birds that eat the bad bugs and keep them around your property. And then in the springtime, don't go to feeding again. Have you been reading about the uh, the horrible diseases um, feeders are spreading among wild birds? No. It's a form of not. it's a form of salmonella. It's been in a lot of uh, news lately, and um, the birds. It's terrible. They get this uh, eye condition. Sometimes they go blind. Sometimes it, their eyes are so crusted over they might as well be. And when you think about it, well, sure. I mean, it's almost like us with COVID. Here they are congregating around a small source. They're pooping in it. And uh, it's just a simple way to, if you wanted to spread disease, this would be a good way to do it. So try that and just try it for one season. And I would be surprised if your butterflies didn't come back. Okay. Okay. Now, I will now, that. before we do any further, to, what was the second thing again? What was your topic? Uh, lavender. Oh, okay.
2: We have um, lavender plants. We had one a few years ago mm-hmm. in a pot. We brought it in for winter, and it was not happy.
0: Mm, yeah.
2: By summer, it was so bad, we tried to plant it, and it died. Mm-hmm. This year, we got an English and a Spanish lavender. We Mm -hmm. planted both of them in the garden. Mm -hmm. What I want to know is how do you care for them as far as fertilizer and cutting them back, and what do you do for them for the winter?
0: Well, uh, lavender, despite its its scent, its its lovely presence, um, essentially only wants one thing, and that's dry feet. It wants good draining soil. I've told this story on the show before on my uh, way home from where I run errands back to the house. There is a guy uh, who has this tremendous display of lavender that always looks good every season. And I stopped and remarked on it once and asked him what his secret was. He said, you know, he, he thought it was gonna be a joke. He was just putting it there for one season because there's no soil in this thing here. It's all rocks. So that is the major requirement of lavender. It wants to drain like nobody's business. It doesn't want a rich soil. It doesn't want to be fed to the best of my knowledge. Um, now you say you got Spanish and you got English. These right. names of a different lavenders they're kind of funky. We don't really know who's telling the truth, so to speak, or who had the knowledge to correctly identify these different varieties. But true Spanish lavender would not be viable in, um, in your climate. Yeah, I, and I don't know about bringing it inside. You can do that with rosemary, but I don't know many people who've had success with lavender. But if you truly do have an English variety, and I think there's another one that I, I can't place in my head right now, but if you have one of these, uh, you know, cool weather lavenders, they can just stay outside. Um, but they should not stay outside in a pot. And especially over the winter time, they need to be growing in uh, a place where the soil drains especially well because you know in the winter time you don't get the same evaporation of water so the water tends to build up in the soil and it can easily drown uh, the lavender plant so you know you really want to plant it in a raised bed with lots of extra drainage lots of pearl light in there and if you can, in a protected area, I think this guy lucked out because uh, it's growing kind of out of a rock wall. And so that is offering some protection. So the lavender should not be in a low spot in your in your garden or landscape. Um, you should not feed it. Its soil has to drain really well and then the English lavender should um, just overwinter by itself. And, you know, you can, once you see new growth coming up in the spring, then you can cut the old stuff off.
2: Okay. So I don't have to do anything?
0: Well, um, now I mean, I mean, if we have a really mild winter, the Spanish might even survive. But how is the drainage on this soil?
2: Uh, we have very sandy soil.
0: Excellent. Excellent. You're off to a good start. So that's it. Don't feed it. Admire it. Tell it how beautiful and fragrant it is. And uh, then give it a pruning back in the spring.
2: Okay. All right. All right, Mara? Sounds good.
0: All right. Good luck to you. Thank you.
2: Okay. Thank you for taking my call.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for making it. Bye bye.
2: You're right. Bye bye. <laughs> me, listen
3: to the fiddles, hear that ring. now Now that's bluegrass calling me, from the big state of Kentucky to the heart of Tennessee, and then you move on down to the Grand Ole Opry. you can hear those fiddles and the Osborne brothers sing, now Now that's bluegrass calling me.
0: Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that we have finally... Reach the proper time to plant spring bulbs like tulips, daffodils, and crocuses in our garden beds. But don't go looking for that little lost trowel just yet because we'll be right back with slug solutions and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in almost Christmas time, Bethlehem, PA. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up in a little bit, are slugs a problem for you? Well, if they is, you won't want to miss the question of the week, which includes a travelogue of great places to visit in Great Britain. Ah, I don't know where I come up with this stuff. Anyway, plus, of course, your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Mary, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
4: Hello, Mike. Hello. Thank Ma- you for taking my call.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much for making it, Mayor. How you doing?
4: Very well. And With the exception.
0: Uh-oh. Go ahead.
4: Oh, I was going to say of the leaves on the trees in my yard. Hmm.
0: where Where is your yard? Where are you?
4: It is in Mooresdale, Pennsylvania, um, forty five minutes uh, west of State
0: College. Oh okay. okay. yeah, I know where you is. Boy, we got a lot of people listening out there. You know, I could be rude and say, you must uh-huh. not have a lot to do, do you? You know, but um we love hearing from people out there in Central Pa. Now, what's wrong with your leaves, Mayor?
4: I have been told that they are Norway maples. Right. And they have previously, years, had black spots on them. Mm -hmm. This year, though, the black spots have killed the leaves. And in about two weeks, Mm -hmm. two weeks' time, they were dead right on the tree.
0: Norway maple. Yes, there is a disease going around. Uh, relatively new to me, but for all I know, it's you know old news to people who really know about gardening. Uh, but it's called maple uh-huh. maple tree wilt, and we discussed oh. it. Yeah, we discussed it on the show. I'm thinking maybe like six, eight weeks ago, something like that. And uh-huh. um, it is. I, I, I would think that because of the wicked weather um, you and I and everybody else on the planet, it seems, has experienced this season, that it's going to be at its worst. Now, I'm, I'm going to just lead you along and you tell me where I'm wrong. So the maple, okay. the maple tree leafed out fine in the spring, um, then started to develop black spots but the spots just kept getting worse and worse until they, they become the leaf. Mostly. Okay.
4: Well, it they the black spots came, mm-hmm. and they were dotted right. on some.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And then the whole leaf just dried up and died right. right on the tree. Okay. And now they're falling.
0: So your leaves are falling now, and there's no sign that they're being replaced by any new leaves? No. Okay, well, that sometimes happens. Yeah. Um okay, uh, basic questions. Uh, is the tree growing in or near a chemically treated lawn? No. Is it mulched?
4: No, it really and I do have poor soil, quite honestly. But um it is, you know, uh, just a wooded area that um, you know, my leaves mean everything to sure. me. Sure. Right. Um yes, it, you know, it's my free privacy fence.
0: Right, right. But
4: um I I just don't know if it's a one-time thing or will it happen again? What yes. about all those dead
0: leaves? It's hard to say. I mean, there's so many factors you could have had uh, a very late frost that would have really stressed the tree. What do you mean by poor soil?
4: Well, just old, um, <laughs> like an old wooded lot. Yeah. I mean, come on,
0: mayor, all the soil on the planet Clay. is, is old, <laughs> you know,
4: you're right. But yes. So it's just, you know, very, very old. I, I've never, uh, you know, enriched it.
0: Yeah. But these are, these are trees that, uh, you know, they tend not to like being fed or growing in rich soil. I mean, there's a real place in the ecosphere, um, for plants that can take harsh conditions. So I'm trying to think of what I would suggest because true black spot, um, is often a disease that comes from overhead watering. Um, I, We had a couple of dry spells, but most of the summer and spring has been very wet. Has the same been happening to you? Correct. Yes. And are there other trees in your landscape that are affected?
4: Well, only the Norway maples. The regular maples Mm -hmm. are fine.
0: Mm, Okay.
4: And everything is, I think, a little off.
0: Yes. Yeah. Everything is a little the off. Yes. Including me. Um, well. <laughs> me too. One thing um, years ago, I had a great show. It was like the superhero team up. I had Mel Bartholomew, who was the um, was he's passed away, uh, the creator of the square foot gardening method, and Lee Reich, uh-huh. who's the author of the pruning book. And I believe uh, the dirt doctor from Texas, Howard Garrett, they were all on the show together and it was very lively. And when I said not to to compost these leaves, same situation as you, they all got on top of me. No, you put everything in the compost pile. And I I said, well, what about the disease? He said, uh, uh, I think it was um, Lee who said, how are the plants going to learn to adapt to this disease if they don't get inoculated, if they don't get these vaccinations um, that will help build, wow. up, build up their immunity? And then he goes on to tell us how he composts his old genes and, and everything like that. You know, oh,
4: my goodness. He
0: throws yes. nothing away. So I would, oddly enough, this is probably the strangest answer I'm going to give uh, for quite a while, I would make an effort to include these leaves. Uh, you you do make compost from the way you've been talking. Yes. Yeah.
4: Just, you know,
0: yes. Okay. Well, I would be And sh- I
4: was, uh, like, I
0: sh- I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Mayor.
4: Well, I was going to say, I also was afraid to mix these through the yard or with other um, leaves and the dirts.
0: Well, I got outvoted three to one that day. Um, okay. and this is this recycling of nutrients, this exposure, um, to a disease, um, so that you can eventually build up tolerance. Um, all three agreed that that was the best way to cure a sick tree. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't try all to right. make anything special of just those leaves but I would shred those leaves really well and include those in a compost pile with leaves from other trees and some coffee grounds to help it heat up fast in your climate. And then in the spring, I would definitely try, you know, I would really try to keep this compost honking hot over the wintertime. Then okay. in the spring, I would spread that compost around this tree. And keep an eye out for problems because as you know as well as I do, this spring is got next spring is gonna tell the tale. Yes. But that gives you something and natural I, to try.
4: Absolutely. And we know that's the best way.
0: Absolutely. Oh, you said that. All right.
4: Well, thank you so
0: much. My pleasure. Thank you for I calling.
4: Will. Uh-huh. Goodbye. And
0: goodbye. Eight eighty eight. 492-9444. Mickey, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thanks, Mike. Uh, where are you, man? So I'm in Lyndhurst, Ohio. It's just outside of Cleveland on the east side. Okay. Um, you know, I I've had a lot of success speaking in Cleveland and Akron. So I think I know your area. What can I do you for
1: well, um, we moved into a house about three years ago and mm-hmm. there's these spice bushes that are on the property. I think they're called the Northern spice bush. Okay. And they're just, uh, they look sickly, The there's new growth that comes out every spring and mm-hmm. it's kind of like wrinkled. So basically the, it's, it's more than half of the leaves I would say come out and they sort of look like constricted or something like there's uh uh, something that's holding them back from growing normally. And otherwise, the bush looks you know, pretty healthy. The leaves stay green all year. They don't drop from the bush or anything. But it seems like it's been getting worse year over year. I'm not sure what's going on with it. And there's a lot of these, and they're on our property. They're on our neighbor's property, and they all seem to have the same condition. Hmm. And I checked with the uh, Ohio State Extension Service, and they can't seem to figure out what it is either. But they, they suggested have... leaf miner, but I, it's not leaf miner. For no, me. no, you can see the little lines in the leaves. Um, yeah, sort of growing out of the grass. Mm-hmm. Um, when we first came in, there was a lot of leaf litter and things on the ground. And we've tried to kind of push that underneath them. But we don't really mulch them with anything. And and we don't feed them with anything. Okay, what about the lawn? So the lawn, we have a an organic lawn service that's been doing it this year. But the years previous to that, when we first moved in, we were basically doing nothing. I think we were putting mm-hmm. down um you know, like a corn gluten meal, but nothing okay. else besides that. Good. Now, um
0: the uh uh the spice bush is the host of um the spice bush swallowtail, a beautiful butterfly. Have you seen those on your plant? I haven't, but it doesn't mean they're not there. I just haven't seen them. Okay. Um, now describe, you say the leaves look good. What, uh, what, what was wrong again?
1: Well, it is the leaves that are having the problem. So they look kind of like sickly, like they're just, they look constricted, like Mm -hmm. they're not able to grow outright. Um, I thought of it as like, at first, when I first saw it, I thought maybe there's something that's kind of like a pest or something that's eating the leaves as they're developing mm-hmm. and they're just not able to develop properly. But well, I don't think it's that because no, I've been looking at it really closely and I don't see any pests that are visible. So, huh.
0: yeah, it's weird. Um, so what percentage of the leaves? Because you say over winter they're nice and green.
1: Well, you know, over winter they drop. I mean, it's deciduous, but okay. it's like um, they stay green all year long, you know, all summer long. They're still green now. So from afar, the trees or the bushes look great. It's like when you get up close to them that you can see. How about the flowering? Um, It's kind of those little insignificant uh, yellowy-green flowers, and that looked fine. I mean, it was early in the spring, and, you know, nothing unusual about that. But They're supposed to be big. This isn't that one that has the maroon flowers, like... No, I think that's yellow, a different right? Different spice bush.
0: You yeah, have, they're
1: yellow. They're yeah. pretty small though. Okay. And they drop they drop on the ground pretty quickly like they look like uh you know w- once they all drop from the plant you can see them on the ground underneath. And when you uh
0: when you crush the leaves does it smell like lemons and oranges?
1: Yeah, it has a good smell. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: Who's-
0: Who screens these calls? What is this? There's a conspiracy (laughs) against me. The whole Ohio State University Extension Service doesn't know. So Mickey calls Mikey and uh, stumps the chump. Well, you know, in a situation like this, I will always drop back and say, it's it's even on my business card. It says, I don't care what your question is. The answer is compost. So uh-huh. here's what I'd like to, you to do. I'd like you okay. to rake the old leaf debris out from underneath. Um, okay. And they're really growing
1: out of the lawn. Um, yeah, it's a mixture of lawn and sort of just bare earth. I don't know. It's um, not... Uh, we don't do a lot to that that area.
0: Okay, sunshade? Probably more shade. Okay. Um, and is it cast by a tree or buildings? Trees. Yeah, okay. Well, they can grow in shade, but they're not going to do their best. Um, to see really beautiful leaves and large clusters of the yellow flowers, they really should be growing in full sun. Obviously, okay. you you can't do that, so you do everything else you can. Um, I want you uh, – do you make your own compost?
1: No, not yet. Okay. I, 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 I want to, but I haven't gotten started with it. All right. Well, um,
0: go go to our website. Go to ubetyourgarden.org and click on yeah. answers to hundreds of your garden questions and then type in bulk compost in the search engine All right. because I want you to make, I, I want to make sure that you get good compost, um, or uh, depending on how big an area we're treating, there's some excellent bagged organic composts out there. Um, but okay. I, I want you to clean out the old stuff from underneath. Um, Spread at least an inch, maybe two inches of compost underneath them. Don't cover the stems, um, you know, coming up out of the ground. Just go up mm-hmm. to them and out as far as you can. And um, do you water them during dry times?
1: Uh, we put in a irrigation system this year because we just uh, put in a new lawn this year. And so um, they're getting, you know, the, the regular amount that the grass would be getting.
0: <sighs> um, irrigation systems, especially for a non-grass plant, have the unwanted mm-hmm. side effect of washing all the nutrients out of the soil. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how yeah. many zones or vectors or whatever you got. Um, but I would cut that down that although they okay. do like a moist soil. Uh, but if yeah. you could water it just with a hose at the base that would be much better okay all right okay so compost try to cut off those um the water that's coming from those little in the ground spigot things and Uh you know and uh, you know light a candle to the blessed mother couldn't hurt right (laughs) right all right
1: right. right.
0: mick well thanks mike nice talking to you bye-bye yeah same here All all right all right bye Well, it's time for me to take another little break and comment on a recent series of Facebook postings in which many of our listeners reported that they wait until Halloween or later to plant their garlic. Wrong. That's the timing for spring bulbs. In the mid-Atlantic and similar climates, your garlic should be planted by the end of September at the latest. But don't go pulling up those dead tomato plants to make room for your cloves just yet because we'll be right back with Slug Solutions and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you are listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. And coming up soon, because we're in the stretch, cats and kittens, is a question of the week that is quite unusual, but it kind of deals with slugs and squirrels. But We'll also take you to Coventry and Nottingham and Salisbury and Stonehenge. You don't want to miss it. And you won't because it's coming up after a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Jane, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
3: Hi, Mike. Thanks so much.
0: Well, thank you. How you doing?
3: I'm doing well. Uh, things are... Blooming all the late plants are blooming around here, right? The perennials and keeping my bees fed and uh keeping them in nectar.
0: Okay, good. Um,
3: so things are good.
0: Um, so where are you beekeeping?
3: I am uh, my hives uh are in a conservancy in the Cheltenham Township area.
0: Oh, okay, in uh, Briar, Master just outside of Philadelphia. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's interesting. Uh, how did you arrange that or do they use them for educational purposes?
3: Well, um when I live in a condominium community that is go. right behind the conservancy. Okay. I had given up beekeeping when we moved here mm-hmm. and was very sad about it. So, I wrote a proposal to our board and um asked about Setting up an apiary, and they were, they very enthusiastically said, yes. Really. And so I have a place in the conservancy where I keep uh, three hives.
0: Okay. All right. Well, what can we help you with?
3: Well, my late summer, early fall honey um, is the right color, uh, right viscosity, but it has a very tangy um uh, quality
0: that's from what the bees um, are feeding on
3: yes well okay that's that was my question i i had a few hypotheses and ruled them out and that no, was it's the definitely
0: question. uh because that's why uh, certain beekeepers will label their honey um you know from a specific blooming crop um,
4: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and that's kind of our appellation. Um, no, that's not the way the French do it anyway. <laughs> um, oh boy. And, um, when I was a child, back when raptors roamed the earth and tussled with <laughs> saber toothed tigers on Broad Street, I remember, I think, yes, it was in the spring. We had a milkman like everybody else. You know, we had a milkman. We had a breadman. Mm -hmm. uh, We had a huckster who came through in the summertime. Jersey tomato, three pound for a half a dollar. Jersey tomatoes. We got sweet corn, Mm -hmm. silver queen, Mm -hmm. cantaloupe. (laughs) It was better than a bell. But in the spring, I remember turning to my mother one time and going, mom, the milk's not good. And she goes, "Oh, that's just the clover. It'll be. It'll taste better in a couple of weeks." So uh-huh. they are what they eat. You know, everything transfers, and you should be yep. able to figure it out um, simply by examining what's blooming over in the conservancy.
3: Right. So um, I was wondering about which flowers uh, might be having the tangy nectar. Um, so what we seem to have a lot of, I'm not a gardener per se, but I did look some things up. We have a lot of um, what looks like carrot weed, but could also be oh, hemlock.
0: Um, Queen Anne's lace.
3: It lo- Yes, that's what it looks like, but I'm not sure if it's Queen Anne's lace or if it's um, hemlock. They mm. they kind of look alike, so I don't well, know. Well, I I don't honey.
0: know that I'd want to eat honey that uh, has hemlock uh, DNA in it.
3: Yeah, that's true.
0: Well, I mean, you're going to get better. So I'm
3: still alive, so it's probably not hemlock.
0: Okay, or it's slow acting. Um, what, <laughs> what I can suggest is: Are you a member of any uh, you know local beekeeping associations? Yes. Okay. Uh huh. Uh, Put the question to them. They'll be able to tell you. Okay. So I only have native bees, um, but I've counted uh, well over 50 different uh, species of native bees on my property. Some so Uh small, they're like the, oh, they're smaller than the tip of a pen or a pencil. And Mm -hmm. some of the biggest bumblebees I've ever seen, they're like the Mack truck of bumblebees. Mm -hmm. And I have this weird mm-hmm. plant, uh a hardy begonia that blooms like crazy mm. at this time of year and it's covered with all kinds of bee. Mhm.
3: Mhm. Yeah, mountain mint is also um it's kind of invasive, but the bees love it. And mountain mint they're all did you say? It when it, mountain mint, yeah.
0: See, that could also have um an off flavor. Oh. Yeah,
3: I hadn't thought of that.
0: Yeah, okay. There's not much you can do. So,
3: right, right. I um, so I'm just I was just curious because I've not had this experience. And in the earlier honey, um, uh, that I extracted, it's sweet and uh, light, which is the way it's supposed to be. The viscosity is good. And this is a little darker, right. which is also usual. Uh-huh. And um, But that tangy aftertaste means that, uh, or tangy finish, you know, I just figured that it had something to do with the
0: You know, um, this flowers, would Because it's
3: not fermented.
0: This would be a perfect time to let the bees keep their honey um, for the winter instead of perhaps uh, yes, uh, substituting something for it. And you'll just know uh, as soon as you notice that flavor even minutely, okay, bees, you're going to need this honey over the winter. It's supposed to be a horrid one here in Pennsylvania. So, Mm -hmm. you know, less harvest, more happiness. Right, right.
3: Um, I'm done. Uh, I extracted this in August and I decided that they're going to have the rest. So yeah. that's good advice. I think I that's good that. for
0: everybody involved. Yes. Well, All right. Thank
3: you very much. I appreciate your help and, um, onward and upward.
0: Yes, absolutely. Just thanks. like a bee.
3: <laughs> thanks, for t- right, thanks for taking my call.
0: Thank you for making it. Bye-bye.
3: Okay. Bye.
0: As always, it is now time for the question of the week. Hair of the dog can deter evil squirrels, but what about slimy slugs? Maxine, who prefers to be called Max in Cornwall, England, writes, Would pet hair work as well as human hair to destroy slugs? Ha! I've been to the UK, starting out in London and on to Salisbury, home of the world's oldest clock, then to nearby Stonehenge at dawn, of course, then to Coventry, which was completely rebuilt after World War II. Their village square features a fascinating bell tower clock with Lady Godiva making a circular appearance on the hour while all of the animated life-size villagers turn their heads until she hits the halfway mark, and then Peeping Tom pops out of a hidden door at the top. And the stunningly beautiful cathedral, almost completely destroyed during the war, the new one was built next to the original with a special glass surface that reflects the ruins of the original. In Nottingham, I visited Robin Hood's grave, whose statuary was frequently robbed of its golden arrow, and the sheriff of Nottingham's castle, which was perched on a high cliff and whose insides had been turned into a museum that rivaled the official British museum in London. An entire room devoted to glass Victorian walking sticks? Ah! As I left, I noticed that there was an opening in the base of the cliff with a little wooden sign that said, Ye Old Jerusalem Inn, Established. Well, the sign that I remember seeing back in the 70s said something like 928 AD, but Wikipedia now places it both older and younger, depending on whether its original time as a brewery counts. So I walk into this cleft in the cliff and was met by immediate darkness giant spiders, I thought to myself, laboriously made the sign outside and are lurking a few feet ahead. But after my eyes adjusted, I thought I could see a dim light ahead. Then as I walked through the terrifying corridor with walls of chalk so soft you could grab a handful, I entered a beautiful polished wooden brass pub. What can I get you, governor? Is there a working man's pub in the back, I asked. Well said, sir. Just walk this way till you get to the slate floor. Always go to the back of a pub where the prices are lower and the gaiety higher. McGrath! What? Huh? I haven't answered the question yet. Give me a minute. Okay, silence means yes. So I go to the back, and there's a guy sitting at the far end of the bar. The landlord comes in, and I say, I'll have a pint of the local. I had been in the U.K. for several months at this point and knew how to order. As the landlord pulls my pint, the guy at the other end of the bar says, of all the gin joints in all the world, I have to run into Mike McGrath. It was Steve O'Rourke, road manager for Pink Floyd, a band I had stumbled into interviewing right around 1970. What? What? Come on, I can't talk about whales? All right, all right. Now, the original idea of using dog hair in the garden was to repel evil squirrels. It came from bulb growers in Holland, where I visited back in the early 90s. No creature bothers daffodils, whose bulbs are toxic to ingest. But tulip bulbs are delicious and nutritious. In fact, we lost many rare varieties when Netherlanders were forced to delve into stored bulbs to eat when they were isolated and occupied during World War II. Now, evil squirrels love digging up and devouring our tulip bulbs. But the Dutch observed that dogs hate evil squirrels, and evil squirrels hate dogs. So they collected dog hair from groomers and used it to literally mulch freshly planted tulip beds in the fall. These beds were untouched, while nearby no-dog hair beds were severely molested. Now, anybody can find dog hair. If you don't have a personal pooch, ask a friend with a preferably long-haired dog for their brushings, or ask a local groomer to save you a bag or seven. Eh, but we are supposed to be talking about slug control. And from my lengthy trip to the UK, long before I ever dreamed of becoming a gardener, I knew from every bed and breakfast operator, never ring their bell while EastEnders is on, that slugs were their number one menace. The cool, damp climate made living easy for slugs, and they repaid these gardeners by eating everything they had to the ground overnight. The, quote, slug baits available at the time were impossibly toxic, and there wasn't enough beer in all of merry old England to drown all the slugs, which is saying quite a bit mulching with human hair began as a garden tip to slowly feed the soil as the nitrogen-rich hair decomposed. But it was soon observed that slugs got tangled up in the hair, could not remove it, and croaked, leading many gardeners to rush to the local barber shop for their sweepings. Hair is hair, so dog hair, cat hair, and human hair will all tie up slugs. Now try to avoid heavily treated human hair if you're gonna be mulching edibles, but it'll still work great to silence slugs on beds with bulbs. Well, that sure was some good information and a rather lengthy traveler's guide to Great Britain now, wasn't it? Luckily, you can read this article over at your leisure or your leisure because the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be. Make a T-shirt that says cats and kittens, youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you'll always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to cut my hair if I don't get out of this studio. Wow, we must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 888 492 9444 or send us your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse of an email teeming towards our garden shores. At YBYG at WLVT.org, please include your location, or we will send you spam. And I don't mean the meat in a box. You'll find all of our contact information, plus answers to your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of recent shows and old shows, and links to our internationally renowned podcast. It's all at our website, YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when the creature from the Black Lagoon married a Komodo dragon. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work and read all about the garlic planting time dust-up at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our new peerless princess of profound production is Teresa Radke. I hope that's close. Our audio editor is the always lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is Judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director of direction is Javier Diaz. Our usual gang of idiots generally includes the esteemed Eric Warner, Zach the Tack Wisniewski, Jazzy Jake Morris, and Jumpman Jeff Frederick. Ah, when donuts go missing, dust the crime scene for the fingerprints of our beloved CEO Tim Fallon or just follow the trail of powdered sugar. I'm your host slug free Mike McGrath and I'll be outside shredding leaves yelling at evil squirrels and soaking up all the wonderful weather of autumn until I see you again right here right this time next week.